Hello and welcome to the Thursday show. Coming up, you'll hear more of my interviews with members of the men's and women's basketball team. That'll be in our second segment today. In fact, two ladies who can shoot the ball pretty well, Maria Alvarez and Sydney Harvey, and a guy who's been working a lot on it and has turned himself into a three-point shooter. And the story of how he did it is pretty fascinating. One of the new bulls for Brian Gregory's team. That's DJ Patrick. In fact, you'll hear a little bit from Brian Gregory himself. He was a guest with Beckles and Retcher, my buddies, Ian Beckles and Jay Retcher, on 95.3 WDAE on Wednesday. And always cool that they have, I'm telling you, especially those guys, picked up the USF connections and talked to a lot of our coaches. So I want to play a little bit of what BG had to say to the audience listening on Tampa Bay Radio. Of course, WDAE is our radio partner for the football broadcasts. Their portion of the pregame show begins at 6 o'clock on Saturday night with the Bulls hosting Temple. Again, the first hour of the pregame and the last half hour of the postgame can only be heard on USF Bulls Unlimited. And you can, of course, just keep it on Bulls Unlimited if you want to and listen to the entire broadcast. Also coming up here, we'll preview tonight's women's soccer match, which we'll have on USF Bulls Unlimited starting at 7 o'clock. We'll update the standings after last night and tell you what the outlook is for the last week of the season. When I say week, there's another game next Thursday for the Bulls on the road, and the conference tournament begins the following weekend. In fact, it starts on Halloween. The Bulls don't want to be playing then. We'll explain. Well, we'll explain in just a little bit. Right now, a couple of comments from Charlie Weiss. Thursday is the day we give you some of the comments from both coordinators. Now, Glenn Spencer essentially just spoke about Temple, so we're going to hold off with those comments until Friday's show because we want to make it more of a preview of the Temple Owls. We'll also hear from the other side with their head coach. But in this case, the offense for the Bulls, and admittedly, according to the offensive coordinator, took a step back, something you don't want to do. You know, as we watch the tape and and we see uh, how we're executing, you know, what we're doing uh, is really the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, obviously stats are a big thing and and you look at those for sure. But more than that, it's, uh, you know, how are we progressing? What are we doing? Are we taking steps in the right direction? And, you know, sometimes you don't. And I felt like last week was a week where we didn't take a step in the right direction. Um, but I see that our guys are continuing to work, continuing to fight. Uh, they're playing hard. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing what they can. And, um, you know, I think everybody's really committed. And uh, we know we didn't play our best game on Saturday against Tulsa. And I think uh, we, we can play a lot better this week. And that's what we're going to continue to work towards. Again, sometimes the mistake you make as a sports fan is you don't even think about the other side. It's like, why didn't you do this? Well, maybe the other team has some guys in the middle of the field that are pretty good. Jackson Player, the big tackle in the interior of that Tulsa run defense. You know, we told you about how it's tough to run against them. And so you can't get too flustered when it ended up being tough to pick up yards at times. Now, having said that, Jaron Mangum did find some success. I remember the Second and 19, this was after Antonio Greer recovers the fumble at the 12, and the Bulls get sacked on the next play. But Mangum, on a sweep, actually gets down inside the five-yard line. So he's a north-south runner, but can go east and west, according to his offensive coordinator. You know, against Tulsa, schematically, they do a really good job of taking away some of the inside run game stuff. And, you know, we still wanted to get uh, Jaron the ball a bunch. And so there was a little bit more perimeter plays and things that you saw him get out in space in this game. and. Uh, He didn't disappoint when he got those opportunities. He definitely did that a little bit more uh, than we've seen in the past. So it was definitely impressive. And uh, he's really just continued to be a a staple in our offense. And uh, somebody, when when he gets the ball in his hands, continues to do really good things. we got to 
uh, make sure that, that we get him the ball as much as possible. I wouldn't quite call him regressing. Timmy McLean is just going through some things as a freshman, and that was a pretty talented front that he was going up against. You know, he did miss some throws, not the wide-open shots that were there against SMU, I think, to a first half three and out, where on third and ten he had tight end Chris Carter across the middle wide open. That would have extended a drive, but missed him. So what about the quarterback? You know, after any time you, you lose a tough game, it's hard, and everything's about how you respond uh, to, to what happened. There's nothing that we can do to affect what's happened in the past, what happened against Tulsa, and uh, we've got to move forward. That was kind of our message at the beginning of the week, and honestly, we've had some of the best practices of the year. Um, the, these last couple of days, uh, today, we had a really good practice, and you know, Q's been great about it. Uh, we're all taking ownership of our mistakes and uh, working to go get better, and, and he's, he's done that, and he'll continue to do that, and he, he wants to be great, and he's going to put that work in to make sure when he comes out this Saturday against Temple, we get a different result. Incidentally, if you hear him referring to Timmy McLean as Q, and you get a little confused because you go right to Quentin Flowers, I'm going to assume most of you guys know the answer, but I didn't, so therefore I won't assume that you all do. Basically, Q is part of his middle name. Jaquiel is Timmy McLean's middle name, and therefore he goes by Q, which kind of puts him right there in line with the uh, former USF great quarterbacks. I don't mind it. We'll give you some more Coach Weiss on tomorrow's program as far as what they're going to try and avoid, namely third and longs. And I can just give you a hint. You know, listen, a lot has been made of the fourth and one play. We get into that on the pregame show. I interview him during the week. Yes, we do not actually sit around an hour before kickoff and talk to the coach. We pre-record those and naturally asked about the not just the decision but the entire process and he's always so great about telling you what you know what goes on there were a lot of things that happened in that game that I observed from the press box and kind of wanted to give you guys an inside feel of how it actually transpires within the coaching staff talking about not only decisions to go forward on fourth down but also when and when not to call timeouts because those things you need at the end of the game the Bulls could have used him and then I asked about one certain play. You know the sequence. We'll play it in real time here. How quickly it went from Demarcus Gregory catch to Timmy McLean touchdown. Uh, let's hear the sequence as it unfolded. Then I'll tell you what to expect in my interview with Charlie Weiss specifically about this sequence. And McLean throwing it long, going for Gregory, one-on-one -on -one coverage, and he makes the over-the-shoulder catch, and he stayed in bounds. What a catch by Demarcus Gregory at the nine-yard line of Tulsa. It'll set up a first and goal. McLean laid it out where only his guy could get it, but still, what a catch by Gregory. 35 yards, first and goal from the nine. Here's McLean, left side, fighting his way through. Touchdown, USF! Timmy McLean, nine yards, and the Bulls extend their lead on Tulsa. So from the time Gregory caught that ball, or maybe could have been out of bounds but still caught the ball, to the time the ball was snapped was 20 seconds. Now, that was a 35-yard or so pass play. That is a quick turnaround. What I observed from the press box was Mitchell Brinkman because the first thing I thought was, I don't know if he caught that or not. It was a great effort, no doubt. Tulsa had already used one timeout, and you know they did not want to challenge it unless they knew that there was a catch. So, meantime, I actually saw Mitchell Brinkman on the field saying, let's go, let's go. I think they were thinking the same thing. And what actually happened? 
Charlie Weiss told me it's really interesting. And again, that's part of our pregame show. You can hear that right around 6.15. It's hour number two. It's the segment right after Michael Kelly speaks, as he always does with Jim Lauk from the booth. And again, we get it all going. Myself, Jim Lighthall, and Jay Retcher from the studio side, even though thankfully the Shear studio is not a studio. It's actually at the stadium for the home games at Raymond James Stadium. We'll be on the air at 5.00. 